Haunted Nights, live with Tamara Thorne and Alistair Cross. Haunted Nights Live. First things first, we would like to thank W.J. Pierce for creating and performing our music. Uh, this is Alistair Cross, and I'm here with my co-host and collaborator, Tamara Thorne. Thank you for joining us. Uh, before we get down to business tonight, here's Tamara, who's going to tell you a little more about our upcoming novel, Exorcism, Book 3 in the Ravencrest Saga, which is slated for release on Valentine's Day. Yeah. Midnight. The witching hour, watery echoes in an empty building. The grand Greek pool at Ravencrest Manor bubbles and gurgles as chlorine-scented water pumps, flowing like cool blood in veins and arteries. The moon, full and high above the arch-glass ceiling, shines its light on the cobalt pool, casting splintered rays across the water, picking up golden highlights as it reflects on the constellations, the planets, and the moon set into the bottom of the pool. A spring and a thunk from the tall diving board, then a splash as someone dives in and somehow water explodes into the air. The sound ebbs and flows with movement. But if no human ear is present to hear it, no eye to see it, can these things be real? Or are they merely tricks of light and sound, magic courtesy of Mother Nature? Soft golden lamps flicker to life and then music, faint but unmistakable, rises and echoes. Eddie Cantor, if you knew Susie, like I know Susie. Oh, oh, what a girl. Laughter, the sounds of a party, and voices of glasses clinking. Something white and serpentine slithers and stirs beneath the water like glistening cold silk, there and gone again in an instant. All right, Ravencrest Exorcism will be released in ebook and paperback this Valentine's Day, February 14th. Uh, the ebook is available for pre order now at Amazon. Again, you're listening to Thorn and Cross, Haunted Nights Live. You can learn more about what we do at our websites, alistaircross.com and tamarthorn.com. You can visit our mutual blog at thornandcross.wordpress.com, or if you tweet, our handles are at crossalister and at tamarthorn. You can visit our Haunted Nights Live page on Facebook, or you can find us on Instagram at, at thornandcross or at official underscore alistaircross. For more information on the show, you can visit Authors on the Air on Facebook, Twitter, and at AuthorsOnTheAir.com. This is a broadcast of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, LLC. All right, tonight we are thrilled to have a first-time visitor, Brad Keane. Uh, Brad is the screenwriter of the horror movies The Grudge 3, From Within, and The Grave Dancers. His collaborators have included the directors James Wan and Sam Raimi. Uh, he's also the author of the novels Virtual Pet Catchers and Hat Trick. Uh, welcome to the show, Brad. How are you? Thanks. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. You are oh, welcome. I can't believe it took us so long to get you. We've we've had our eye on you for a long time, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think we were first scheduled to talk what, early last year, maybe. I think so, yeah. Um, so, yeah. I think so. <laughs> Probably. Uh, yeah. yeah. All right. So I guess um, uh, to to start us off, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, screenwriting, and then we can talk also about uh, your books and stuff. But we'll start off with screenwriting, and um, this is such a, a notoriously difficult field to break into, and and but you did, and 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 you've been in it for a while. So 
Um, can you tell us a little bit about your journey uh, into screenwriting and, and how you got to where you are now? Sure. Well, I mean, um, you know, I went to film school in Orlando at Central Florida, and um, people like to say that film school is no longer necessary now because of all the technology, and it's sort of easy to learn on its own. But one of the high spots for us, film school for me, was just to meet other like-minded people. So um, you meet a lot of good people that, you know, you could grow up in a town and be obsessed with filmmaking, but not necessarily come face-to-face -face with people who share the passion. Film school offers that. And then um, I went to Los Angeles with a group of people, and we all just dove in. You know, it's never really the right time to sort of uh, go to L.A. and just go for it. You just have to do it. If you overthink it, uh, some people who overthink it never make the move. And so we just, you know, just crazily jumped out there. And um, I, did, I, I originally wanted to write comedy, believe it or not. Um, oh, but yeah? My, 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 two, my two loves were always horror and comedy. And, um, but there, an opportunity came, out, uh, came about to uh, write a ghost story. Uh, one of my uh, friends, Chris Skinner, was out there. He was working for the director, John Turtletop, and his company was looking for a ghost story. So we just came up with the story that ended up becoming the movie The Grave Dancers. And really, we just threw ourselves into it, totally naive, you know, just jumped into it, jammed the script with everything we thought was cool. I think a lot, like a lot of first-time writers just want the whole process to be really streamlined and quick. Hey, we'll write it, we'll do a couple passes, we'll get an agent, a director will get made. And it was the beginning of a long journey, and it's kind of terrifying yeah. to think. It took a number of years to get going, and we always thought we were closer than we were. Um, we were lucky enough right. to get an agent pretty quick, uh -huh. and um, it went into development at a uh, production company, and that's a whole other story, just a nightmare development can be. But uh, ultimately, <laughs> to keep it short, it, it, sounded, it sounded its way into the hands of a director, Mike Mendez, who's become a good friend over the years. And Mike was uh, super enthusiastic about the material, and he found financing, and that's a really streamlined version of the ups and downs and eventually we uh we got the movie made and we shot it in Greensboro and that ended up being uh -huh. the uh luckily the first feature and it got released as part of the After Dark Horror Fest in um 2006 oh, wow. and uh, wow. it was the first batch when they were doing those and it was released on 500 screens believe it or not for a very limited time but uh we we had a theatrical release which was something in 2006 was still wasn't that hard? I mean, it was hard, but for a horror movie to get a theatrical release, it was still in the cards. Not so much today. I think it's much harder today. And you have other avenues like all the streamers. But um, right. so we were lucky enough to get that made, and that came out, and that ended up just being the uh, the first movie. Now, what you were saying about screenwriting being difficult, I will say this. I would. I, I originally thought, yeah, you know, it's going to be difficult at first. Then you'll make your first movie. Like, that's going to be the one big mountain to climb. And then things will right. get a little bit easier. You know, you'll get the big payday and the thing. But, the, you know, it's not really much of a secret at all. It's, all, it's always difficult, and it's continuously difficult. And every project is its own thing. And for every one victory you have, you know, you have the other – maybe five or ten projects that didn't get made or came really close to getting financing and, and fell short. So um, screenwriting has been 
more of an inconsistent, continuous struggle, which which was no surprise because people were saying that when I was in film school. But you still hope <laughs> you still hope that sometime you turn this mythical corner and it would get easier. Um, right, but there's, right. There's, uh, you know, it, it's a uh, it's a uh, completely the, the town itself and the industry. And stop me if I start rambling about this stuff. Um, you know, it's constantly evolving, and the business is constantly evolving. And I was lucky enough to get um, three features made so far, but then, um, but the DVD market collapsed, and uh, right. that that had a big effect on the, the type of movies that got financed. A lot of horror movies got financed just because they knew they could make their movie in the DVD market, make the money back. Excuse me. So um, when the DVD market went away, that changed a lot of the financing, and a lot of the companies that I was dealing with went away. So, um, yes, yeah, screenwriting is uh, very rewarding, but also very challenging at all times. Right. So, so would you say that it's it's more difficult? Like for someone who's trying to 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 get into it now, would you say that it's a more difficult now, or that it's easier now because of the 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 Way things have changed. Well, I mean, um, you know, there's a danger of oversimplifying it. Uh, either way, I would say it's an exciting time to be a screenwriter, and there's hundreds upon hundreds of series being made um, for all the streamers. So now, now it's definitely a good time, and more possible than ever. The way, you know, the the way to get from the script to a finished product changes dramatically from product to product. And um, so many times the pieces and the, of the talent that you have attached to the script makes a big difference. But mm-hmm. no one, ultimately, if it's what you want to do, you, you shouldn't be discouraged. I mean, you should be realistic, but you should. There are people out there who will hopefully believe in your project, and you can, you know, you have to believe that you can get it made or get it in the right hands at least and give it a chance of getting produced. Because uh, otherwise, right, right. it would just be, be such a discouraging uh, venture. But a lot of people. So when you did finally get, I'm oh, sorry. I, when ahead. you did when you did get the financing for the for the first movie, that must have been like a an, an incredibly exciting uh, mm-hmm. thing. Uh, did you what did you do to celebrate? Can you can you like like what did it feel like to to learn that somebody was gonna that it was gonna happen? Well, you know, um, truthfully, I mean, it felt great, but we thought it was going to happen much sooner, a few years than it, ha- than it did happen, and the financing we thought was going to be much greater. So initially, yeah. I think we were seduced. We we, t- we were told the movie was going to have a much higher budget and hopefully be made sooner. It seemed as though the closer we got, as, as more of the months ticked away, the budget slowly kind of went down and down and down. Um, as it became more realistic, like, hey, this is going to happen. Initially, right. when someone says you're going to make your movie, they can throw they can throw numbers at you. You know, I remember being at a uh, tequila bar, which is just probably the one point where everyone was just celebrating out, out of their minds, realistically, and like their heads go crazy. And uh, yeah. someone said, I remember someone <laughs> saying that they were going to make the Grey Dancers for $15 million. And, of course, yeah. I was thrilled. I'm like, oh, that's beyond my wall. Fifteen, that's crazy. Plus, in retrospect, I think <laughs> one of the people had four tequila shots in them, and everyone was just talking, yeah. you know, wild. And uh, so, 
you know, so ultimately the budget kept going down, down, down. And what you see is, and this is the case in screenwriting a lot, especially for independent movies, you can just see your vision getting, or the director's vision getting compromised. So as yeah. exciting as it is to see a movie going to production, you also see the compromises start piling up as you get nearer to it. So it is, it is kind of a mixed feeling. Like, hey, we're making yeah. a movie. Not quite the movie we thought we were going to make, but we're making right. a movie. And then ultimately, ultimately, you put so much work in it that the the true terror becomes the movie not getting made at all. And that kind of hangs right. over you. And that kind of remains until – you, until you're really there and shooting, it always kind of remains this distant possibility that someone could pull the plug on it. Um, so we were just dying to just get rolling and, you know, just – get as much in the can as we can. And so it got made, but it's not quite the movie that we thought I was actually going to get. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, in, in, your, in your time that you've been, you know, in the business, is there anyone who stands out to you? I, this can be, you know, an actor, another, another writer. It can be anybody. Is there anyone who stands out to you who is just, you know, who would you say is, is the, the coolest person that you've met? Oh wow, um, that's a great question. I've met a lot. I mean, I've met a lot of cool people. Um, so it's disappointing that somebody's not cool. Uh, that's a great question. Uh, well, I mean, uh, Sam Raimi was. Uh, you know, I didn't work with him too extensively, but he was super, super nice. Great sense of humor. Uh, very funny. Um, but uh, I don't know. Probably one of the coolest people is uh, James Wan, who I know who. Uh, He's insanely successful, but uh, still really down to earth, a smart, funny guy, and uh, very nice, very generous. And he he's really he's really I think uh, what you look for to someone who can be successful and cool at the same time. So I love right. him. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, for real. Um, one one more question about the the movies. Um, the, the the Grudge Three. This is this is obviously the third uh, movie in a franchise. Um, to me, that sounds. Of course, I'm not. I, I don't. You know, have any knowledge of screenwriting or anything like that. But uh, to right. me, that sounds uh, incredibly daunting because you've got two movies before it that you need to uh, uh, stick to. You can't just. You know, you you're you know, working within uh, the confines of an already created uh, universe and storyline to some point. So, so what was doing that like, what was, you know, and plus it was successful. I mean, these were successful movies and so there's pressure there too. So what was that like doing the grudge three? Well, that was really exciting. And I'll tell you what, my, you know, my whole life, I'd always look to these horror sequels and, and it's very easy to say, Oh, they should do this. And they should have done this. And suddenly I was thrown into working on a sequel, and I thought, "Wow, this is this is karma putting me into the, this situation." Uh, the amount of times I made it, it sounds so easy from a distance. With the Grudge, you know, the Grudge not only had a, a certain amount of story-wise had gone down a path by Part Three, but stylistically it was so distinct. And um, yeah, you know, besides Grudge One and Two, there were two previous feature films uh, that were uh, the Japanese films. So there are four films uh, preceding us. Now, this film, not right. only do we have um, – we also had a new director, which was uh, Toby Wilkins, really talented director. He did a movie called Splinter, 
before Dredge 3. And so mm-hmm. we had to um, we had to sort of write and direct. He had to direct in a style that complemented the previous movies. Now, the big change in Dredge 3, not to get too much in the weeds of the, of the uh, franchise, is the other movies were uh, nonlinear, where they had different storylines popping back and forth. And though I haven't seen it yet, I believe they just released another incarnation of the Grudge a few weeks ago, actually. And I believe that follows the same formula as the original movies. My point being, we were given sort of the um, instruction to make our movie linear. So we had to sort of keep the feel of the previous movies but tell a linear story that would hopefully... um... So that, that, that was the challenge. And it was the most amount of juggling in terms of uh, plot points that we had to do. We had a lot going on in that movie. Um, in the opening sequence, I can tell you, the um, boy from The Grudge 2 uh, is murdered by a ghost in the beginning of Grudge 3. In an earlier version of the script, in an earlier version of the script, he was, he was in it throughout the entire movie up until the end. Oh, wow. So, and literally, <laughs> literally very late in the process, um, we were asked to sort of take that take that part back. So I had to go in and sort of remove all of his scenes, which also left a huge void now. Well, now what some aspects of the story have to take the place because now we have 30 minutes to fill with story. Right, so exactly. It was, it was elements like that that, um, that you don't anticipate that, you know, screenwriting, it could just draft to draft to draft. There can be a lot of changes, and you just got to uh-huh. – Track them, and that movie in particular, um, Grudge Two, Grudge Two set up a lot of strange things that differed, that expanded the curse from Grudge One, and we sort of had to follow through on it. The least being, right. I think Grudge One, Grudge One took place in Japan. Uh-huh. Grudge Two moved, it, Grudge Two, Grudge Two moved it to Chicago, and so um, uh-huh. I had, I'm friends with the screenwriter. I mean, like the screenwriter of Grudge One and Two, and I was saying like, what have you done to me? What do you have any idea? <laughs> Which one you prefer and why? 
So, Money aside. So, um, I will say, you know, screenwriting um, is a collaborative, I mean, it's a collaborative uh, process. Ultimately, you're going to be dealing with people. If, if you enjoy the people that you're working with, it can be very exciting. Um, I was fortunate enough to be on set for my first two movies. So, and the directors I got along with, and so we had a really good working relationship um, for all three movies, even. Uh, for prose, though, writing novels, I tell you, as you guys know, there's just, there's just, it's so enjoyable. There's something so pure about uh, writing prose and really letting your brain just flow with something. Yeah. Um, writing sure. a screenplay, you're constantly thinking the internal exterior. If a scene goes a few pages too long, your inner clock is telling you, oh, this is going on too long. And, you know, um, but with a, a novel, some of my favorite writing days that, that felt like true writer bliss was writing uh, books. Um, yeah. And I will say this, I mean, both, yeah. both, neither of my books, much to my agent's chagrin, I, I weren't <laughs> horror novels. And they were like, why aren't you writing horror novels? And it was really just because I needed a break from writing right. horror. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, when, when that's all you're thinking about, and, um, you know, I would all we have a great group of uh, horror writer friends that hang out in L.A., and you'll have your friends come up to you and go, oh, man, I'm running out of ways to kill people. You know, how should, uh, <laughs> exactly. how should I kill this one character? And so, so you discuss that, and that's, it's kind of strange for your brain to be lingering on things like that too long. That's so true. It's nice, to take, it's nice to take a break from just that subject matter. Um, right. <laughs> no, I like them, I like them both. I like them both. In a, in a perfect world, um, also, also more importantly, when you write novels, I think you have more control over the IP. When you write a screenplay, yeah. you know you, you sign away that oh, yeah. copyright, and you sign away that you sign away your script and story, and it's gone. So um, right. So that's really. I don't think screenwriters really know how depressing that can be until your script is taken from you, which I've had that experience both good and bad, where it just gets turned over to another writer. And suddenly the right. scene that you felt really intimate about that you're working on day to day is like in a flash going from your life, and now it's with someone else. It's on someone else's desktop. That's a strange feeling, you know. Um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you know, you, you want to have, you know, as writers, you want to have control of your characters and stories. And I don't know if I've ever fully gotten used to the idea that you could write a screenplay and then people treat it like, hey, now this, this is a blueprint and we can just throw it up for grabs and we can just change it as we go. There's something about that still bothers me, you know? <laughs> and, yeah, uh, right, exactly. I, I know a lot of successful screenwriters who, um, you know, they just see it as part of the business, especially if they're lucky enough to be paid. They just go, hey, that's yeah. kind of, you know, a, a script can go through mm-hmm. five writers. Um, I know of a project that had 11 writers on it recently, and that's insane. Oh, wow. Um, that's yeah. insane. And then, most of the time when you see a movie, the writer's guild determines a credit, and you may only see three names, but there could have been eight writers on it or more because most right, people right. Won't, they won't get credit on a movie just because of arbitration and the way the writer's guild works. So um, <laughs> right. I try to know the amount of hands that have been in a, in a screenplay. So to, to wrap wow. up this answer, uh, you know, writing a book sometimes you know, not mm-hmm. yeah. Certainly for me, I've never written a bestseller, but 
knowing that I have control over some of these stories and people can read them brings me tremendous satisfaction. But balances the chaos that screenwriting can often be. Yeah, it sounds uh-huh. like it. You know, every time every time we've 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 you know talked to a few screenwriters and it just. It, it you know it it it's a it's a form of writing and 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 um that's what I love it's it's what I love to do but it it sounds so much more um I it's just stressful Alpha truly yeah yeah, yeah it really. does. <laughs> but but you know what um I, you know I think that you are absolutely you know great at what you do and um mm-hmm. I, I'm looking forward to more. And on that note, I'm curious: is is there anything that you're working on now that you can tell us about? Uh, Screenplay-wise, I have um, nothing too specific. I mean, one of the last things I worked on was a movie uh, based on an idea by James Wan called Smart House, and um, that is sort of still in development. I'm, I believe uh, it's with Lionsgate right now, so hopefully. <laughs> It's a it's a the biggest budget I've ever worked on, so it's just gonna it has more hoops to jump through before it gets uh, right. greenlit. <laughs> um, but it's on IMDb, so it's been announced, so it's out there. So hopefully that gets produced this year. It's sort of a horror thriller, high tech, and um, I have a fresh screenplay kind of making the rounds that um, nice. that's looking for a home, wandering the cold streets of LA looking for a home. Uh, but right now, right now I'm, I'm working on a new novel, and I'm also trying to, to get into TV. You know, there's so many opportunities right. in television now, and there's so many new companies out there and new intelligent people that are uh, with their doors mm-hmm. open looking to uh, looking for material. So there's more opportunity than ever. Hopefully, in theory, to um, yeah. get something on get something on the air, and I've been told that it's almost easier now to launch, a, you know, get your own original series moving forward than to get staffed on a series. That's absurd. Yeah, that and that, you, know, you, know, that's, um, wow. you know, we've heard that a lot. That that's that's where yeah. it's at. Yeah. You know, television right now, it's a different era. It's a different era. You know, mm-hmm. it's that's completely, great. and I think it's still. I mean, it's all the streaming wars because there's so many streamers out there, but uh, it's still in progress. It's still blossoming, and no yeah, one really exactly. knows what the how high to go. But there's, uh, you know, the writers guild. I promise I wasn't gonna get into it, but the writers guild contract is up in May, and they they're looking to negotiate um, new points for this the streaming. Because it's such a changing world and such a differing world than what it used to be that they they want to sort of handle issues now before it gets too out of control, which is not already. Right. Um, yeah. Exactly. So it's right. uh, you know well, you know I go ahead. I was, I was just going to say the uh, the industry is in constant state of evolution and constant turmoil both good and bad, you know, it's always, it's really like a flowing river. So it would really be nice if it was just a static entity that you went out there, you knew how everything worked, you knew where the money flowed, but it's constantly changing. Right? You know, you constantly, the flexibility, <laughs> flexibility and the ability to adapt creatively and business-wise, right. I mean, it's uh, it's critical. And that kind of low-level stress uh, hangs over the town at times because everyone's wondering what's next, what we're going to hear 
But that's also what makes right. it exciting. So, I mean, screenwriters and authors should be excited because everywhere I go, they're looking for IP. They're asking for novels. They're asking for books. They're, you know, they're in need of stories. And if you're a storyteller, now's a good time to be alive. Technology is on your side. So there is – I agree. You know, you, it, it, is, <laughs> it is a good time. So people should be, um, you know, optimistic. I think that's fantastic, and I'm, I'm glad that you yeah. said that because, you know what, underneath it all, that is what we all are. We are storytellers, and we have different formats and different ways of doing it, but you know what, there will always be a need for stories and uh, in, in various formats, and uh, I think it's fantastic. We are almost out of time, but before I let you go, um, if someone wanted, if our listeners wanted to learn more about you and your work or what you do, um, where could they go and find that out? Well, I mean, um, on Twitter, I'm at Brad Keen. Um, I'm not too crazy on social media. They can also find me on Facebook and also uh, Goodreads. Um, I have a page on there. And um, Instagram I'm trying to get back into. But uh, so I'd say Twitter or Facebook. I'm around. I'm reachable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great. All right. <laughs> All right, well, you know what? We we will keep in touch, and um, we're looking forward to having you on again. And if you have any news uh, to share at any time or just want to come back and whatever, anytime, you let us know, and we will happily have you back. We It's it's been yeah, great having hey, you, look, and I mean I'm that. So, yeah, let us know. I'm so, I'm so happy we uh, <laughs> finally got this done. <laughs> but, I know, yeah, right? I'd love, <laughs> uh, I'd love to come back sometime, and then, uh, especially with some news and some good news. And it'd be great to Absolutely. Talk yeah. Absolutely. And again again, thank you. Thank you for being on. It was a delight meeting you, technically meeting you, mm-hmm. and uh um we wish you the best and uh like I said, we'll keep we in do. touch and you're welcome back anytime. And thank you for being on and thank you everybody for listening and until next week we wish you haunted nights and sweet screams. Thank you for listening. Haunted Nights, live with Tamara Thorne and Alistair Cross. Mm-hmm.